All right, I will say good morning and a good chodesh to everyone. Begin by thanking our sponsors. So first of all, thank our Tamatora sponsor for the month of Cheshvan. To thank Mayor and Rachel Gold for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drushos this month in the Zuchos of their Mishpacha. We truly appreciate uh, their sponsorship and Halavai. We thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Avron and Sean Elbaum, for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drushos this week in memory of, oh, excuse me, in the Zuchos of Rafur Shalema for Ami Ben Chaya. And our Dafyomi sponsor today, the TA class of 1971, in commemoration of the 50th yard site of their classmate, Morris Sandler, Moshe Yehuda ben Avraham HaKohen, Zichon Levracha. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama will have an Aliyah. There's not even a, a family, unfortunately. You know, those of us who have been in the show for a little while know the, the story of Morris Sandler, Zichon Levracha, Baruch Fischl, and the rest of the Chevra really worked so hard to perpetuate his memory. And it's an incredible schuss to be able to dedicate today's daf. We hope that in the merit of our learning, his neshama has an aliyah. He enjoys a licht gagan eden liolam va'ed. So with that, let us begin. So we have a lot to do today, Baruch Hashem, a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Lamed Zayin 37. And we are picking up, in Yerat Hashem, we got through the Mishnah. So remember again, just to orient ourselves in the Mishnah, the Mishnah spoke about three categories of things that we do not do on Shabbos. I'm sorry, that we do not do on, uh, well, it's things that you can't do on Shabbos, you also can't do on Yom Tiv. The three categories of things were what they call a Shavos, a Roshos, and a mitzvah. So the way we're going to define those categories now, though the Gemara is going to challenge that, is that a shavus is something that is asr A rishus is something that is also asr but has a quasi-mitzvah element to it. And mitzvah is a mitzvah. The common denominator amongst all of these things are is that they're all asr, right? You can't, you cannot do them on Shabbos, the Gemara says, on, as well as on Yom Tid. So we'll say now we're going to go through all of these cases, and there's a lot of really interesting halacha in, um, in some of these cases. Let me just make sure we're up and running over here. Okay. Good. So it says the Gemara. says the Gemara. You're not allowed to climb a tree. Why can't they climb a tree? Says the Gemara. So we'll say, remember again, the Lashon of the Mishnah was... B'Shabbos Chayav and Allah, I'm sorry. All of these things apply on Shabbos as well as on Yom Tov. So number one, you can't climb a tree. Why not? Out of a concern that you may come to detach a branch. Good. You can't ride an animal on Shabbos. Out of a concern that you may come to leave the Tchum. Now, this is very interesting, says the Gemara Shmamina. Now, I will say, now remember, if Chazal are going to legislate and say you can't ride an animal, lest you come to leave the Tchum, that must mean that what? Shmamina, Tchum in Daraisa. That would tell us that Tchumin, the concept of Tchum, is Daraisa. Now, remember again, why does it have to be that way? Because Chazal aren't going to legislate an Isser in order to safeguard an Isser Darabanon. That would be called a trade Darabanon, right? Or Gzera Gzera, which we don't do. So the fact that Chazal are legislating this must mean that Tchumin Daraisa. Now, now, of course, that's very interesting because generally we pass and we assume Tchumin are Darabanon. To which the Gemara says, Ela gzera shema yachtoch zmura. Rather, why can't you go ahead and 
ride an animal on Shabbos, ultimately, again, out of a concern that you may come to detach a branch. For what purpose? For the purpose of, for the purpose of whipping the animal. Right? Whipping the animal. Good. Next, for those shut up Nehemiah, you can't swim on Shabbos. So I'll say, this is very interesting. Why can't you swim on Shabbos? So the Gemara says, Shema Ya'ase Chavis Shal Shayatin. Rashi says, what does it mean? Chavis, now, Chavis Shal Shayatin literally means a barrel of swimmers. Now, what does that mean? It says Rashi, Kli Shal Guma Sha'argin also, Va'osin Kamin Chavis Aruka, Ulamedin Balashur. It's a flotation device. Chazal said you can't swim on Shabbos lest you come to construct a flotation device. Now, what's very interesting over here is as follows. Rashi says, what's the issue with constructing a flotation device? So according to Rashi, there are two potential malachas. Malacha number one is sha'arginoso. You're weaving it, right? So the act of weaving on Shabbos is an av malacha. Oreg is an av malacha, right? Furthermore, again, there's tikkun kli or tikkun mana. Constructing of a vessel is also an iser on Shabbos. So according to Rashi, there's ariga and tikkun kli. Tosus, just interest, this is just interesting. Tosus says, Shema Yase Chavis Shal Shayatin. So if you look at the end of that Tosus, he says, Lachin Nirali Shukli Charas. Tosus just disagrees on the Metsias of this Kli. And according, as according to Rashi, this was fashioned out of woven reeds. Tosus understands it to be an earthenware vessel, a hollow earthenware vessel, which would float. Again, only difference is that according to Tulsus, there's only one Isra that I saw. Right? There's only one Isra. According to Rashi, there's two Isurim. But Lamaisa, again, the, the issue, the Gzeira is the same, that ultimately one will come to construct a Kli on Shabbos, and therefore, again, you're not allowed to swim. Important halacha. There are other issues associated with swimming on Shabbos, which have to do with schita, schitas seyar, or ultimately, again, schita of a towel. But Lamaisa, again, remember, there's a, a number of different prohibitions, but the Gemara chooses over here to associate with Chavish shal shayatin. Good. So these we've had before. You cannot clap, you cannot dance. Right, to remember again, there's Mesapkin with hand against hand, there's hand against hand against one's leg. So the Gemara says, And this is a concern, lest one come to go ahead and construct an instrument. Remember again, we already saw Tosis a few dapim ago who said, and I will say this gets into, remember, I mentioned this when we learned the sugi beforehand, how it's interesting that certain Gzeros, the Gemara felt comfortable, the Rishonim felt comfortable are no longer a concern. So for example, clapping and dancing is a perfect example. Remember again, Tulsa said, today no one knows how to construct an instrument, so it's not really an issue. So one could probably make the same argument by flotation devices, but Lamais again, you see, and again, this is a much more in-depth topic, not, not far down, you'll be sure in the morning, but there are different Dine Dirabana that are constructed in different ways. In any event, we go weiter. So the Gemara says, Ve'elu mishumashus. And I will say, now we come to the next category. These are the things that are Aser Al-Rishos. So I will say, remember again, the first category was Shavos, which means non-mitzvah activities prohibited, and again, we've seen because they may lead to Malacha. Next category are what we call Rishos. Rishos are things that have a quasi-mitzvah identity associated with them. What are the things of Rishos? Lodanin. So number one, you can't judge. The Gemara says, I have a mitzvah kavid. They both say, it is a mitzvah to judge. Now, let's interpret that correctly, right? What does it mean it's a mitzvah to judge? Right? It means if you're a dayon and you're adjudicating a case, the act of adjudicating a legal dispute is a mitzvah. They both say, listen to how profound this Gemara is. Lo tzricha, Di'ika da'adif minei. 
He'll say, when do you sit in judgment? If you're the smartest guy in the room. But if you're not the smartest guy in the room, there is no mitzvah of judgment. I will say, what an incredible way to approach life. First of all, always approach life, you're never the smartest guy in the room. And if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, that's even a greater proof that you're not the smartest guy in the room. Don't judge unless you're the smartest guy in the room. Because at the end of the day, judgment is so dangerous because you never have all the details. Because you never have the full story. Sometimes do you have to judge? Sometimes do you have to make a judgment about a situation? A judgment about another person? Sometimes you have to. But when do you do that? When do you do that? When there's no one who's adif minei. When there's no one who's smarter than me. If there's someone who's smarter than me, maybe ask for Eitzah. Maybe ask for guidance before I go ahead and I have a profound idea. When is it a mitzvah to judge? When you're the smartest person. But if you're not the smartest person, if you're not the most qualified individual, perhaps better to reserve judgment, especially about others. Incredible, you sowed. The Gemara goes back there. The Gemara says, oh, below, I'm sorry. So, below Makachin, below Makachin, we don't go ahead and get married, right? We don't do Kiddushin. I, but isn't marriage a mitzvah? What are we talking about? Where a person has children. Rashi says over there, either two boys according to Beishamai, and a boy and a girl according to Beishamal. So it's very interesting. So, so, so the Gemara says over here, when we say that ultimately, again, we don't do Kiddushin. So what is this talking about? I isn't Kiddushin a mitzvah? So it's interestingly enough, the Gemara takes the approach that marriage is a heksha mitzvah. Marriage by itself is not a mitzvah. Marriage is a heksha. Marriage is a facilitator for a mitzvah because it allows a person to have children. And therefore, again, the, the, the mitzvah only applies if a person has not, quote unquote, fulfilled the mitzvah. What is the person who fulfilled the mitzvah? Well, for period of Arivia, mitzvah, two boys or one boy and one girl. Rashi just points out, even after one fulfills the mitzvah, period of Arivia, there is a mitzvah of Sheves. The mitzvah of Sheves is generally populating the world, right? Which is the mitzvah to continue to have a family even after one has fulfilled the core obligation. In any event, the point the Gemara is making over here is that halacha it could be that we're discussing a case of Kiddushin where Kiddushin isn't a mitzvah, right? When is Kiddushin not a mitzvah? When a person has fulfilled the mitzvah of Purur, of procreation. I will say, I will point out again, just an interesting maramakum. There is a fascinating dispute in general about whether or not marriage is a mitzvah, right? Is marriage a heksha mitzvah to allow for a family? Or is there an inherent mitzvah in the concept of lotov heyos adam levado? It's good for a person not to be alone. Is that a mitzvah to go and get married? So I'm just pointing out, we're not dealing with it now. I'm just pointing out here, the Gemara takes it as a davar pashit. Marriage is not the mitzvah. The mitzvah is puravu. Marriage is what allows, marriage is what allows Ultimately, again, for the mitzvah period, like to, com- to compare it, it's not a good comparison, but you'll get it for illustration purposes. Shrita, right? Is, it's a really bad comparison, but you understand, right? Like, is Shrita, is Shrita a mitzvah? Is Shrita a mitzvah? 
So bepashtos, according to almost Orishon, the answer is no. Shrita is a hechsher mitzvah. Right? Nerves, the mitzvah is to eat kosher meat, right? So, so shechita is what allows me to go ahead. So there's a machlokis, is marriage like shechita. You understand that? I mean, that, you know, in, in a mitzvah sense, right? In a halachic construct sense. So how do you do it? But again, not, not for today, but just interesting nevertheless. We don't do chalitza. We don't do yibum. I, but one second, isn't that a mitzvah? Chalitza and yibum is a mitzvah. Very interesting. What we're dealing with over here, where there's an older brother. Now remember again, yibum chalitza is a situation where a man dies childless. So the halacha is that the surviving brother does yibum now, or or chalitza for that matter. Now remember, technically speaking, the obligation for yibum and chalitza devolves upon all of the surviving brothers. The halacha is the oldest brother doesn't. But technically speaking, if one of the younger brothers came along and did yibum or chalitza, it's done. It's done. So the gemara says, what are we talking about over here? Where yibum, so to speak, or chalitza is not a mitzvah, where there's an older brother, there's someone in front of me for the mitzvah. The kulu which the Gemara says, why, why, why are Chazal legislated? Well, say, how convenient would it be to get married on Shabbos, right? Think about that for just a moment, right? First of all, dramatically decrease the guest list because it's only people in walking distance. There's no band, there's no this, there's no that. It's a kiddish. It's a kiddish, right? How beautiful and how wonderful it's, right? And all of these things, they're all mitzvahs, so why can't I do them on Shabbos? To which the Gemara says, Gzeira Shema Yichtov. I will say fascinating. All of this is a concern that you may come to write. Now, what's the issue of here? Look at Rashi, Shema Yichtov. So let's go through this. Number one, you can't adjudicate legal cases. Why? Because Psak Din Ladinin. Because remember, again, legal decisions have to be written down. So Shtar Erosin Likidushin. Marriage needs a ksuva. Shtar chalitza lecholetzes. Remember again, a woman who's getting chalitza wants, also wants a shtar. It's not a get. It's not a get, but it's the shtar chalitza. Uksuva liyivama. Right? And also the ksuva for the yivam, which means the receipt of the ksuva. So I'll say the point over here is all of these things have documents associated with them. So we are concerned that if we allow you to do this on Shabbos, then at the end of the day, you may come to it. So I'll say, so what you have over here is you can't go up on a tree because of a branch. Can't ride an animal also really because of a branch. You can't swim because you may come to construct a flotation device. You can't go ahead and issue a din. You can't get married. You can't do li'ibum or chalitza. Why? Ultimately, again, out of a concern that you may come to write. Ve'eluhein, mishum mitzvah. So we'll say now there's the last category. The last category are things that are ma'amishum mitzvah. Ma'amishum mitzvah, but you still can't do them on Shabbos. What are they? Lo makdishin, v'lo ma'arichin, v'lo machrim. So we'll say, remember again, makdishin is you can't make something hectish. So that's pretty straightforward, right? Making something hectish. I can't go ahead and say this hereby belongs to hectish. Or, ma'arichin, erech vow, we'll say every person has a value. What do I mean by that? Every person, the Torah assigns an objective financial value. This has nothing to do with a person's worth, so to speak. It has to do with, there's a concept of an erech vow. So I say, I want to give the, I want to give the value of Avram to the Beis HaMikdash. All right, well, what is, what is that? So the Torah says, okay, so if you're a male non-smoker between the ages of 20, I'm just kidding about the non-smoking bar, right? Between the ages of 20 and 60, right? This is, this is what you are. You're a female. Hey, right? so, so that's, so you can't do that, Erechin. And ultimately, again, a cherem vow is also making something 
building the property of the Beis Amikdash. Why can't you do these things? Rabbi said, this is fascinating. Gezeira mishum mekach umemkar. This is a gzeira, lest you come to engage in commercial practices. Now take a look at Rashi. What does that mean? All of these things are comparable to business transactions. How so? So say, listen to this. What is mekach umemkar? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, what's at the basis of every transaction? Of every transaction? A change of rishos, a change of ownership, right? It goes from A to B. What happens in every single one of these situations? There's a change in ownership from A to B. Now, it happens to be true. It's going from me to the Beis Hamikdash, and that's very holy. That's very holy. But at the end of the day, it's transactional. So Chazal said you can't do anything transactional because at the end of the day, it has the it, it, it has it looks like Mecca Humankar. Now, we'll say now what's wrong with that? Mecca Humankar. will say by the way. Which malacha, which malacha is it to engage in transactional proceedings, right? What, what malacha is that? So the answer is, it's not a malacha. Rather, Rashi says, Dichsiv, we learn it from the Pasuk, Dichsiv, Mimtso chafatzecha v'daber dover. Based on the Pasuk Yishayo, where the Navi says, Mimtso chafatzecha, that on Shabbos, on Shabbos, you should refrain from engaging in your own pursuits which Chazal understood to mean we don't conduct business on Shabbos. We don't talk business on Shabbos, right? We don't engage in transactions on Shabbos. And we globalize that to mean any kind of transactions, even transactions of mitzvahs. The Gemara says, Rashi then gives another possibility that it's possible that in fact, is part of the Gzeira of Ksiva. In other words, both sides, why don't we engage in transactions? Because there's a concern that what's going to happen? Right. You come to write it down. I, but I know what you're thinking, says Rashi. But if it's a part of Ksiva, isn't that a Gzeira Ligzeira? Vim Tomar Gzeira Ligzeira. I called it a trade rabbanim before. That's not the right term. Gzeira Ligzeira. Kula Chad It's all called one Gzeira. So it's fascinating over here. So here you have, you're not allowed to go ahead and make something hectish. You can't do an Erech vow. You can't do a Chirim vow. Why? What's Two opinions in Rashi. Either there's an independent rabbinic prohibition that you can't engage in transactions. You can't engage in things that transfer items from one domain to another. Why? You can't pursue your own needs, your own transactional needs on Shabbos. Second, we're going to Rashi. No, this is all part of Gezeira of Ksiva, Shema Yichto. You cannot go ahead and engage in anything transactional lest you come to paper. Now, I'll say, the truth is there's so much to say about this discussion. Now, the one, the one exception to this, interestingly enough, is in Yonet Tzedakah. Right? In Yonah, actually, there's a couple of exceptions to it. In Yonah Tzedakah, you're allowed to go ahead and engage in tzedakah transactions on Shabbos, on Yom Tev. You could commit to tzedakah, even though, again, once you commit to tzedakah, that's a, com- that's a commitment. It's an irrevocable commitment that ultimately, again, is transactional, but that's a tzorach mitzvah. The other exception the Marmosek is getting brings down is purchasing land in Eretz Yisrael. That, that purchase is just such an incredible thing. That purchasing land in Eretz Yisrael is such an important thing. The Gemara says that you're actually, actually, this is the next smichas chaver, uh, zman, which if you haven't signed up yet, it's kidai, which is you're allowed to instruct a guy to draw up a real estate document to purchase land in Eretz Yisrael on Shabbos. In other words, that even on Shabbos, you can explicitly instruct the nachri. So tzedakah and Eretz Yisrael 
are the two things that seem to be the exception to the Gezerah Mechach Memka. Incredible. Let's go right there. The Lomach being Chumas and Maestros. So we'll say you can't separate out Chumas and Maestros on Shabbos, or for that matter, on Yom Tiv. Pshita. So we'll say, that's obvious. Now remember again, that's obvious, right? Because we've already dealt with this extensively. What's the issue ultimately with separating out Chumas and Maestros? Is Tikkun Mana. Tikkun Kli. Right? You're fixing something. So because you're fixing something, ultimately, again, that's problematic. To which the Umar says, no, 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 what's the Chiddush? Rather, what we're referring to is to go ahead and to give it to the coin that day. In other words, I might have thought that halacha I can give a coin, trumas and maestros, that day. Rashi points out, because again, it's the Tzorech Yom No one knows that it's trumas and maestros. They might just as easily think that it's a nice gift that I'm giving to the coin. Vahani mili peri when can't you distribute or separate out trumas, not really separate out trumas and maestros on Shabbos and Yom Tiv, only from produce that was tevel the day before, untied on Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Tiv. Ava peri detvili ha'idna, this applies on Yom Tiv, but if something becomes tevel on Yom Tiv, for example, kigon, this is incredible. This is a very important halacha. You, it, it, it's, when the Mishnah says you can't separate Shumas and Maestros, that's not a totally true statement. In other words, on Shabbos, that is an unequivocally true statement. On Yom Tiv, that's not always true. For example, are you allowed to bake bread on Yom Tiv? Absolutely. What do you have to do when you make dough? When you make dough, you have to separate out challah. And you're allowed to do that on Yom Tiv. In other words, that since I'm allowed to go ahead and bake bread, that's Ochal Nafesh. So again, the, the, the prohibition of separating Atshumas and Maestras is if something was Tevel on Erev Yom Tiv, you can't separate that out on Yom Tiv. But if something, so to speak, becomes Tevel on Yom Tiv because it's being created on Yom Tiv, you can tie. Now, again, you can't take all the Chumas and Maestras necessarily, but certain things you're absolutely allowed to go ahead and separate on Yom Tevahani, Mishum, so we'll say, now the Gemara says like this. You, you, the Mishnah said three categories, right? What are the three categories? So we have Shavos, Roshos, Mitzvah, right? Shavos means things that are just prohibited. Roshos, Ashtigal Mitzvah, right? Like a little bit of a Mitzvah associated with it. And Mitzvah, Mitzvah. So the Gemara says, I don't understand the categories. Vahani Mishum Roshos, Ika, Mishum Shavos, Laka. Vahani Mishum Mitzvah, Ika, Mishum Shavos, Laka. Or as we'll say, all of these, the Gemara says, are called a shvus. We'll say, what does shvus mean? What does shvus mean? Rest. Right, rest. What does it mean halachically? Uh, come on, you know this. An isr A shvus is an isr So what do you mean? This is, this, this is a shvus. This is a rishos. This is a mitzvah. They're all a shvus. Right? Meaning all of these things are asr midirabonon. That is a halachic term. To which the Gemara says, you're right. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak, let me buy Kamar. Rabbi Yitzchak says like this. It goes without saying that a straight out Shavos, in other words, something that Chazal said, you can't do lest it lead to something else's Asar. So I can't swim. I can't climb a tree. I can't ride an animal. That's just a straight out Shavos. Okay, that's obvious. So I will say, you might have thought that no, Chazal are going to legislate on something that's like a, a you know, a, a shtick mitzvah, right? A little bit of a mitzvah, a mitzvah, right? Chazal aren't going to come and go ahead and legislate on that because there's a little bit of an element of mitzvah there. Kamash Malon, when they see a concern, they do legislate, even in a case of Rishos. The Gemara says, 
I'm sorry. And furthermore, again, you might have thought that even if Chazal are going to legislate in a case of Rishos, where there's only a little bit of a mitzvah, but they certainly won't legislate in what? In a case of a mitzvah, right? In a, in a case of a mitzvah where there's mamish, a full-blown mitzvah, kamash they do. So the point of the mission is, you're right. Everything over here, all of these gzeras, are all called a shvus, because shvus is just a halachic term for an iser dirabanon on Shabbos and Yomtiv. But what the Mishnah is highlighting is the intriguing part, really the, the riveting part of this discussion, is that I understand that Chazal want to go ahead and prohibit non-mitzvah acts, like the first three in the Mishnah. The Chiddush over here is that Chazal will even legislate on quasi-mitzvah acts, and the bigger Chiddush is that Chazal will even tell you not to do certain mitzvos ultimately, again, because they may lead to malacha. Quite interesting. So Gemara says, All of these things were stated by Yomtev. So I'll say, right, remember, again, whatever is Asr, the Gemara says, what the Mishnah says, whatever was Asr on Shabbos, whatever was Asr on Shabbos, so the Mishnah says, whatever is stated on Yomtev was also said on Shabbos, because there's no difference between Yomtev and Shabbos, except Ochel Nefesh, or Minhi, or Minhu, Alaska Shaila, Mashilin, Derech, Aruba, Biyamtev, Alo, B'Shabbos. You could, we'll say this goes back to our last sogya. You could lower produce through an opening in the roof, a skylight in the roof, on Yamtiv, but not on Shabbos. You know, say, remember again, it's Muktza, right? Remember, the produce you spread out to dry on your roof is Muktza. On Yamtiv, you could push it down the skylight because it's not considered to be so much Tircha. For Shabbos, remember again, I want to point out that something that is Muktza, something that is Muktza, just remember we learned the Muktza, just because you're going to suffer a hefzit, a loss, doesn't, is not a license to really move Muktza. Salach Alamaisa, again, you could do this on Yom Tov, but not on Shabbos. First wide line. On Rav Yosef, Lokash. So we'll say here, the Mishnah makes it sound like everything that applies on Shabbos also applies on Yom Tiv, or the Yom Tiv applies on Shabbos. The only reason Shabbos and Yom Tiv is Ochel Nefesh. Well, <laughs> that's not true, because here you see a fundamental difference. How you lower produce, or if you can lower produce, through a skylight on the roof. On, Sh- on Yom Tiv you can, on Shabbos you can't. On Rabbi Yosef Lokasha, Ha Rabbi Eliezer, Ha Rabbi Yoshua. This reflects two different opinions. Two different opinions. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Mashil and Peros. Alma gozru shvus al Shabbos lo gozru al Yom Tiv. So the point over here is you see is shvus that Chazal have legislated by Shabbos that they did not legislate by. And we'll see here. In other words, by Yom Tiv, you could push the produce down the skylight. Here the Bryce indicates that you're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. Which the Gemara says, but how does that stem with our Mishnah, which says that there's no difference between Shabbos and Yom Tiv except Ochal Nafesh. Which the Gemara says, two different opinions, two different opinions. This Sanya, here we go. This Sanya, the Gemara says, Osovi Espinoshnafalubar. Both say we've referenced this case before. You see, you have a mother and, an, and, its, and its offspring, the mother and the child, right? The animals that both fall into the pit. Now, both say, Remember again, you're allowed to shecht on Yomtiv, but you're not allowed to shecht a mother and its offspring animal on the same day. So now I have two animals in the pit. So what do I do? Also, Rabbi Ali Ezra Omer Ma'ala Sarishon Amanas You could bring up one animal, whichever one you want, 
on the condition that you're going to shecht it. Right? So the tircha, the effort involved in raising the animal out of the pit is legitimized because you're going to shecht it. But what about the second one? Vashini osla parnasavim komo kadesh yamos. The second one, now once you get the first one out of the pit, you're both like, can you shecht the second one? Can you shecht the second one? No. Because if I'm shechting the first, I can't shecht the second. So what do you do with the second? You lower food down to it and hopefully take care of it until Matzah Yom Tov and you can bring it out. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, listen to this. Malas Shokto, you could bring up the first animal on the condition, right, with the intention of slaughtering it. And then what happens when it gets up to the top, right? You'd say, you know what? Nah, I don't want to shock this one. Let me see what the second one looks like. The Chozer Umarim Umalahasheni. And then you can say, no, you know, I changed my mind. I want to shech the second one and bring the second one out of the pit. And whichever one you want, you can go ahead and shech. You can go ahead and shech. So I will say, how does this, so, so how does this line up? Take a look at Rashi in just a moment. Ha. Our Rabbi Eliezer, Sefer Diktani Ein Ben Yom Tov L'Shabbos, the Choshev was the Gazra Shabbos, Gazra Yom Tov, Vafilu Behev Sid Mamon. Rabbi Eliezer, he shalohitter lalos also v'yes benomik mehev Sid Mamon. So let's listen to this. So our Mishnah, which said, there is no distinction between Shabbos and Yom Tov. Right? There is no distinction between Shabbos and Yom Tov. Ultimately, again, that whatever Shavos there is on Shabbos also applies on Yom Tov would mean that you're not allowed to push the fruit down the skylight, even on Yom Tiv. That reflects the view of Rabbi Eliezer, because Rabbi Eliezer would say, we don't allow you to do things just because you're going to suffer a financial loss. Vaharaya, Vaharaya, we'll let you get one animal out of the pit, but not two. Choose which one you want to slaughter, that one you can get out of the pit. Vasheni and the second one, lower food down to it, hopefully it survives until the end of Yom Tiv. The second opinion, Rabbi Yoshua, who says that halacha you can get up both with a little harama, a little, uh, what's the word? Yeah, I don't want to trick me, sounds so terrible, right? Uh, imagination, imagination I think is the right word, right? A, a, a little imagination, a little imagination. He will say, why can you employ imagination? Because there's a hafsa, because there's a loss. So he would allow you to push produce down through the skylight on Yom Tiv in order to save yourself from a loss. That's how the Gemara wants to set it up. To which the Gemara says, maybe not. I'm Maybe not. It could be in the case of Osovias, one of the two animals. Rabbi Eliezer only allows you to bring one out of the pit because there's the ability to sustain the other by lowering food down to it. But maybe in the case of the produce, where if you don't get it off your roof, the produce is going to be ruined, maybe Enoch Inami Rabbi Eliezer would allow you to push it through the skylight. Furthermore, Rabbi Yoshua only allows you to do that. Why? Because there is some imagination to be had. But over here in the case of the fruit on the roof, there is really no imagination to be had. Maybe he wouldn't allow. So therefore, I both say, that reconciliation doesn't work. Oh, the two opinions, one is Beisham, one is Beisham. Both say, so remember again, our fundamental machlokis over here is, do we say every shvus that applies on Shabbos applies on Yom Tiv? That's what the Mishnah said over here. Or do we hold like this b'risa, which indicates to us that what? No. It could be that there are certain shvusin, certain dine dirabanon, which apply on Shabbos that don't apply on Yom Tiv. For example, for example, 
pushing the produce from the roof down the skylight. Which the Gemara says, it's a machlokes. Machlokes beshamay and beshil. Of this nan, beshamay omrim ein motzi and loas hakotin veloas halulav veloas sefer dolosh sarabim ubeshilo matirin. Beshamay says that the license for Ochel Nafesh, only applies to food. It does not apply to anything else. So for example, you can carry food, but you can't carry a child, and you can't carry your lulav, and you can't carry a Sefer Torah, whereas Basilel permits it. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Ein motzin just like Beis Hillel will only go, sorry, Beis Shammai will only give a very limited view of Ochal Nafesh, they will also say that for financial loss, Chazal did not relax their standards by, by Yom Tiv. And therefore, again, the same way that the Shavos, you can't move the fruit drying on the roof on Shabbos, you also can't move it on Yom Tiv. Beis Hillel, on the other hand, the same way that he has a more relaxed stance by Ochal Nafesh, will also have a more relaxed stance by Shavusim on Yom Tiv. To which the Gemara says, maybe not. Dilmalohi, ultimately again, was only Machmir by Hotzah. But maybe by carrying, they would be Mekel. To which the Gemara says, that doesn't make sense, and I'll tell you why. Atu tiltul lav It will say, anything that you're prohibited to carry or to move, What's the reason for it? What's the reason for it? Lest you come to an act of hotzah. So if Beishamah is going to be machmir in terms of what you're permitted to go ahead and, and carry, or I should say, what you're allowed to transport from one domain to another, they're going to be machmir on total as well. Therefore, it turns out, Rabosai, that this last approach works. And in fact, there is a machlokis Beisham Beisilel. Beishamah is of the opinion that any shvus which applies on Shabbos will apply on Yom Tiv. says no. Whereas that's true most of the time, there are certain Shvusim, certain Dinei Drabanan that Chazal relaxed on Yom Tiv, even though they are in full effect on Shabbos. An example of that, you spread out fruit to dry on your rooftop, it's about to rain, the fruit is going to get ruined. On Shabbos, what can you do? What can you do? So remember, you could do something, what can you do? Cover it. Because we paskin, you can move a kli even to serve something that is moktas. You could cover it, but you can't move it. But on Yom Tiv, on Yom Tiv, you could push it down. Again, you can, remember, there's limitations also. You can't start gathering it up in your hands, putting it into baskets and taking it to another rooftop or lowering it through a window or things like that. But you could, you, you could push it down the skylight. That absolutely will work. Good. So it's a fundamental halach. We, of course, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, like Beisilo, we Paskin halach So you are permitted to push fruit down a skylight on Yom Tiv. Again, it's a more involved halacha, but at least for our purposes, halach we Paskin. There is a distinction between the Shavusin of Shabbos and on Yom Tiv, and we Paskin like Beisilo. Beautiful. Mishnah. Ha Behema va Kalim Kragli Abaylam. Bosa is a great sogya. Behema and Kalim are like the Ragli Habaylam, which means they both say, this is a discussion now in the halachas of Tchum Shabbos, right? Tchum Shabbos. Or for that matter, Tchum Yomtev. There's a Tchum both keys. Also remember again, Tchum means you have 2,000 Amis, we'll call it from the edge of your city, however you're measuring edge of city, you have 2,000 Amis. But we'll say, now we're going to get into interesting sugya, that your stuff has your Tchum. Your possessions have your Tchum. Which we'll say, we don't have time for it now because we only have 10 minutes. But you'll remind me, we'll come back to this Hashkafic point, that one's Gashmios is an extension of himself. 
which is an incredible and profound yisod. My gashmiut, what does it mean, my gashmiut, my trum? My gashmiut is an extension of me, not, not in an unhealthy way. Not that my sense of self, not that my sense of self is rooted in my materialism, but ultimately, again, how I relate to my materialism is an extension of me. My possessions have my trum. Again, we'll talk more about that. Therefore, if you give your animal to your child, to your son, let's say to your adult son, or you give your animal to a shepherd, so this is incredibly important because what's going to come out over here is if you lend an item to some, if you lend something to someone on Yom Tiv, and let's say that person has a different trum than you have, your object is limited, your possessions are limited to your trum. Your trum. So the Gemara says, Listen to this. Let's say you have brothers who have shared ownership over some things, but one brother specifically always uses one thing. So the Gemara says, So those possessions, even though technically speaking, there is joint ownership amongst all of the brothers, but if one of the brothers specifically uses this item, then Allah said that item has his trum. It's very interesting. What happens if you have something owned by a group of brothers? What's the trum of the item? So I'll say, make it even more complicated. What happens if different brothers have different trumin? If that's the case, we have an item that's jointly owned by brothers, but it doesn't have to be brothers, it's anyone, right? Items jointly owned by brothers, and the brothers have different trumin, the object could only be moved where? Where? In a common area. So wherever the overlapping area, which all the trumin share, that's the area in which the object is permitted to be moved. If you borrow something from your friend on Erev Yamtiv, ultimately, again, ultimately, again, it is like the, the object is like, has the trum of the borrower. In other words, we'll say, even though the borrower is not the owner, he's effectively the owner when he's borrowing it. He's a shoel, and therefore the object has his trum. If you borrow something from someone on Yamtiv, then ultimately, again, the object has the trum of the owner. In other words, the trum of the object, like every other trum, is, is, is concretized or solidified when? At the answer, ben ashmash son yamtiv. V'china isha, it's very interesting. V'china isha sheshalam echaverta, tavlin umelach umayim leisasa, hare elu kiragle shtehen. This is fascinating. If a woman borrows ingredients, let's say to cook or to bake on yamtiv, What's the halacha? It sounds like what it's saying over here is that halacha lemaisa, the, the bread is limited to the trum of the woman and from whom she borrowed the ingredients, right? Since the bread is a combination of things that belong to the woman and it's a combination of the ingredients that she borrowed, the bread itself can only be moved in an overlapping area of the trumin. Incredible. Rabbi Huda says, if all you borrowed was water, then water is insignificant. Rabbi Huda says, halachically insignificant. And therefore, again, it won't impact the trum. So we'll say, so bottom line, two, two important halachas over here. Number one, number one, your possessions have your trum. Number two, number two, if you borrow something from someone on Yamtiv, even though you are not the borrower, that object has is, is limited by the owner's trum. But if you borrow something on Erev Yamtiv, then Halacha that object has your trum. Incredible. Says the Masnisin Amadeis, Masnisin Rabbi Dosa, our Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rabbi Dosa. How so? 
Rabbi Dosa Omer, Rabbi Abishol Omer, Halokech, Behema Mechavera Me'erev Yamtiv. If you go ahead and you purchase an animal from, you take an animal from someone at Erev Yamtiv, Afapi Shalomasra Lobi Yamtiv, even though it was not given over to the person at Yamtiv. Let's say I purchased, let's say I purchased an animal Erev Yamtiv, right? But it wasn't delivered, right? It wasn't delivered to me until Yamtiv itself. Ultimately, again, that animal has my, the purchaser's tchum. Okay, so I'll say, so that, that's, I mean, that, that's not such a chiddish, right? In other words, as long as I took title, right? as long as I took title, Erev Yamtiv, even though I didn't get delivery until Yamtiv, that object has my tchum. Here we go. And if you give your animal to a shepherd, even though, when did you give the animal to the shepherd? On Yom Tev itself. The animal has the tchum of the shepherd. Now, Bosai, this is a contradiction to the Mishnah. Because what did our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah said that if I give my animal to a shepherd on Yom Tev, whose tchum does the animal have? The owner's tchum. Rabbi Dosa says, if you give an animal to a shepherd on Yom Tev, the animal has the shepherd's tchum. So our Mishnah clearly does not reflect the view of Rabbi Dosa. Maybe not. I feel the Rabbi Dosa. It could have been Rabbi Dosa. But look, Kasha, Kan Beroa Echot, Kan Bishneiro. We'll say this is fascinating. Rabbi Dosa is talking about a case where there's only one shepherd. The Mishnah is talking about a case where what? There are two shepherds. What does this mean? See, I'll say, Rabbi Dosa is talking about where I, I've got my shepherd. I've got my guy. I'm a one shepherd guy. I've got my shepherd. This is the person who shepherds my flock, which means I already know an Arab Yamtiv. What's going to happen on Yamtiv? Who's getting that animal? Sure. The Roa. Because I know that the Roa is getting it, Rabbi Dosa says, Rabbi Dosa says, okay, we know it's going to the shepherd on Yamtiv. So it's effectively as if it already has been delivered to the shepherd, therefore it has the shepherd's tchum. The Mishnah's case is I have two shepherds. There's Reuven and Shimon. And again, both of them are great. Sometimes I use Reuven, sometimes I use Shimon. So in the absence of definitively knowing on Erev Yom Tov, who I'm delivering it to, the default setting is the animal has my tchum. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Kambaroa echad. She'ein be'ir elaroa echad. Kol b'ne'ir ma'amida behemta b'rshuso. V'niknis shvisaso. Hilchach b'in mokar b'in melokeach. Daitish lo tigna behemah shvisaso. Etzlo el b'shvisasaroa. Umas nisin b'shnei rowin. Dilo yadinon lahai minayhu habilei das b'ilim. So again, a very simple distinction. Rabbi Dosa is talking about, I'm a one shepherd guy. There's one shepherd. This is the guy. So because I know the animal is going to Manyamtiv, therefore the animal acquires a shepherd's trum. The Mishnah's case is there's two shepherds. So we don't know who the shepherd, we don't know who's going to shepherd the flock on, on Yamtiv. Therefore, the animal has the tchum of its owners. Incredible. Take an ami diktani. This seems to be implicit in the Braisa. Diktani, libno, ole roa. Right? You also remember again, the Lushan of the Mishnah was, you give your animal to your son or to the roa. Which now the way the Gemara is kind of reading this is, your son could shepherd it, the shepherd could shepherd it. Right? So therefore, again, there's possibilities so when there's possibilities and we don't know who you're going to give the animal to, the animal acquires the default tchum of its owner. And therefore, I both say, in a one shepherd scenario, in a one shepherd scenario, even though you didn't give the animal to the shepherd until when? Until when? Until Yom Tev itself, 
the animal would acquire the tchum of the shepherd. Rabbi Yochanan actually say this. So the Gemara Sivam Rabbi Yochanan halacha kistan mishnah. Rabbi Yochanan said the halacha follows a stam mishnah. What did the stam mishnah say? Utnan habehim of akil nukaragli abaylim. Well, so right, we have a stam. Our mishnah is a stam mishnah. A mishnah without attribution. A mishnah without attribution is always considered to be fundamentally authoritative. So therefore, the mishnah says that animals have the tchum of their owners. So that's it. So, how does, so Rabbi Yochanan says, Allah follows the stam mishnah. An animal follows the tchum of its owners. Why would he say that? Why would he hold that? Allah follows Rabbi Dosa. Says, okay, you're not paying attention. We just spoke about this before. The Mishnah's case is a case of two shepherds. Rabbi Dosa's case is a case of one shepherd. Rabbi Dosa is not arguing on the Mishnah. Therefore, again, Rabbi Yochanan could say both things. He could say that Allah follows the Stam Mishnah because our Mishnah is correct in a case of two shepherds. What's the Allah in a case of two shepherds? What's the Tchum of the animal in a case of two shepherds? Owner's Tchum. But he also follows Rabbi Dosa, which says that in a situation where there's only one shepherd, Whose tchum does the animal get? Shepherd's tchum. Excellent. Turn around, we'll say just go another minute. Shnayim sheshalu chalukecha b'shut. We'll say this is great. Two people borrow a garment. Reuven and Shimon, both they borrow together a garment from Levi. And what happens? One of them needs it Shabbos night to go to a suda. The other guy needs it Shabbos morning to go for to go for davening. I was going to say to go for kiddush, but to go for davening, I think they do that first, right? Right to go for davening. So what's talacha? We'll say, watch this. Both of them made an erev in a separate direction. In a separate direction. So what's talacha? The Gemara says, "Zesh arvalav tzafar mahalich tzafar karagle misha arvalav ledarom." V'zesh arvalav ledarom mahalich ledarom karagle misha arvalav b'tzafar. So we'll say ultimately, and what's talacha? We'll have to stop over here. Talacha is—it's actually kind of obvious. What can you do? Where could you move this article of clothing? Only in the area of overlapping tchum. In other words, if you can imagine, in this case, you know, Ruvain made his tchum to go east, Shimon made his tchum to go west, they need to go in two different directions. The Gemara says, remember again, the object has the tchum of the people who own it. In this case, it's the borrowers who are the owners for this present moment. And therefore, the item could only be moved in the overlapping tchum. Now, I'll say that works fine as long as there's an area of overlap. What happens if there's no area of overlap? Now, I'll say, let's say the home in which they both reside is literally, again, at the edge of the tchum. So Ruvain made his tchum 2,000 amas to the east, Shimon made his tchum 2,000 amas to the west, and there is no overlapping area. In that case, the garment would not be permitted to be moved at all. We'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up in Meretz Hashem with this case tomorrow. Shkara Chavosai.